He's pounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm East Pounder, what no bandit run? Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your host. I'm Crystal and I'm Bethany. Um, you can always find us on our social medias. Um, we have our Instagram, which is Bayou underscore Chronicles. You can email us at Bayou Chronicles Podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at Bayou Chronicles. Most recently, though, you can, hopefully you've watched us when we were live on our Twitter, not Twitter, our Twitch, Twitch. all these T words on social media, I'm not good at them. (laughs) Um, We hope you enjoyed that episode and had a lot of fun with us, and we hope to do some more, because I know we enjoyed it. And if you search us on Twitch, make sure it's Bayou Chronicles, all one word. Yep, that's it. So today, we're going to jump into our case because you know we're not the type to talk about life and spend 30 minutes on we want the intro we want you to get to the story have a good time with us and then go about your day exactly um so today um this is a local case so our local case is actually from bethany's hometown of fort walton beach florida this is a case that actually happened in 1999, which is unbelievably that that is 21 years ago, but whatever. Um, maybe you're really old, really old. I was starting kindergarten. <laughs> I was a little older than that. Um, but this is a case that rocked Fort Walton Beach, and many people today are still asking for true justice in this case. Um, 21 years later. Um, so I'm going to let Bethany tell us this story. I researched this with her, um, but I purposely didn't research it as much as she did because I kind of wanted to be told the story. I feel like that's good. When we, when we alternate, Crystal does one week for, uh, Louisiana and then I do my week, uh, for Florida. We kind of just like, it's like a storytelling. Yeah. And I like it because I can react to it. True. I like that. All right. Let's jump into this. Um, and I will say researching this since it is my hometown. Um, I don't know. It just gave me the, just chills. Anyways, let's jump into it. So, former airman Cordell Richards, who was 31 years old at the time, was reported missing um, by his family member. He had been missing for roughly a month. Um, and on March 4th, 1999, uh, a young child, um, they kind of kept his identity a secret, which understandably. Oh, yeah. No age, no, no name, but just a young child was um, playing out in the woods when he discovered a decomposing body tied to a tree. Um, first off, I just, I can't imagine. Um, I kind of feel like he's probably our age. Yeah. Because it felt like he was around our age. I can't imagine being that age back in 1999 and literally seeing a dead decomposing body tied to a tree when I'm just out, you know, trying to be a kid. Yeah, no. Roaming the woods, which we all did at some point. Um, he probably needed plenty of therapy. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I even wrote that down in my notes. Therapy needed. It yes. literally says that. Therapy needed. Richard's body was so badly burned, it was almost impossible for medical examiners to even identify him by fingerprints. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was like, like char. I know that's very morbid to say, but, like, it, gruesome. Um, but later during the trial, um, one of the assistant state attorneys, Bobby Elmore, would tell the jury the smallest amount of viable flesh was found to identify him as, indeed, Cordell Richards from the missing um, case, which is crazy. It's crazy that you can be tortured so bad that you might not even be identified. Yeah. I still think it's kind of crazy that 1999, they still had enough, like, there was science was progressed enough that they could use a tiny bit of flesh to identify uh, which is crazy because when, when we when uh because there's some cases that me and crystal want to talk about later on the show from like the 50s and 60s where like no dna was really yeah, like you could blood type somebody i mean but like that's it yeah like it was like a shot in the dark and like you had one sample and if you screwed that one sample up that case was never going to be yes. solved that's why there's still cold cases um but we're going to go back a little bit and talk about um, the people that were responsible about this. Um, but let's talk about how they came into Cordell's life in the first place. Um, Richard placed an ad in the paper uh, looking for a roommate saying he had an extra bedroom in his house. Um, Normal enough. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's a retired veteran. Um he does have a daughter. He just, he has a place and he's like, you know what? I have this empty room. Does his daughter live with him? His daughter's not live with him. Uh, she actually lives with the uh, wife at the time. But he's thinking, you know, I could use probably some help with the rent. I'll, I have this external room. Let me see. So he puts um, an ad in the paper. Probably, probably Craigslist, you know. Yeah. And uh, Craigslist wasn't around in 1999. Oh, that's right. Well, you know, probably just What's it called? The classifieds. A classifieds. There we go. There we go. It's been so long I forgot that word was a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, I'm going to butcher this name. I even watched a lot of documentaries to see how it was pronounced. I read, like, you know, where you can Google and it says, how do you pronounce his name? And Google reads it out to you. But anyways, Crystal Maestas had just, I feel like I got that. That sounded really great. That's probably going to be the only time during this episode you hear me say it correctly. But Crystal Maestas had just recently been kicked out of her house um, and was desperate to find a place to live. And I'll give you a little backstory because I didn't write this too much in my notes. Crystal, ironically, comes from a military family. Oh. Um, so her dad's in the military. You know, mom is dealing with her own things at home. She has other siblings. Um, and she's a very troubled kid. Gets kicked out. I, I'm a mom. I can't picture kicking my daughter out. I don't have daughters. But I don't know. I mean... She's troubled. Is it so troubled that you go on to kill somebody? But being 17 and getting kicked out of your home and then having to figure something out, I I feel for her. Yeah. Um, but she sees this ad in the uh, paper. Um, and she takes him up on the offer. She takes Cordell up on the offer. And she moves in fairly quickly. Like within a couple of days, it says. She sees the ad in the paper. And like maybe one or two days, she's already moved all her stuff in. Um and after living together for a short period, Maesta starts making claims that Richard um, is acting inappropriate towards her. Um, and you have to 
you have to take into consideration there's a 14-year difference between the two because Mastis is only 17. Mm -hmm. And like I already said, Richard's is 31. Um, that's yeah, a little creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, she's a few months away from being legal, but this young girl was just kicked out of her home and she's moving in with her. You and you're already making... And this is not victim passes. blaming at all, yeah. but it's a little weird that a 30-year-old man would allow a 17-year-old girl to live with him. That is weird. Like, he had to have been pretty, like, was he desperate? Like, did he really, really need the money? I was kind of trying to think from his perspective. He does have a daughter. Yeah. He has a young daughter at the time. So maybe he felt bad. And we're also only getting Maestis part of the story. Richard's never got a chance to defend him. So how do we even know that this even happened? Yeah. What if he himself is a father of a of a, a daughter and was like, here's this young girl. She got kicked her out. She's answering my ad. Let me just give her the room. You yeah. know, and he gets help with the rent. Which kind of sucks because... Richards is, you know, not here to kind of, like, be like, no, that's not what happened. I would absolutely never act that way towards a young woman. But, I mean, we do, you know, we do have to take Crystal's, you know, story into consideration. That could very well happen. Is it reason to kill somebody? No. Absolutely not. But if you are a 31-year-old man inviting a 17-year-old to live with you, and then as soon as she moves in with you, you start pursuing her that's creepy it's creepy um Maestis stated that Richards would enter her room wearing nothing but underwear trying to offer her the idea of sex you know at night yeah that yeah that's not gonna fly that's not that's creepy very uncomfortable first of all you don't even know this girl she's young yeah just moved in with you and you're already coming into her room wearing nothing but boxers but like you said, we don't know that it, that even it happened. It happened, yeah. Like I mean, I don't know. I, I don't so know. So I think we just take it for what it is. But he's innocent until proven guilty. Exactly, and maybe one day they'll come out and say she still to this day sticks to that, even being resentenced. But maybe one day she'll maybe come out and be like. But even if everything that she's saying is happened, true. No one still deserves to die. No, and not, we'll get into it, but definitely not the way he died. Um, so she's 17, he's coming in, he's offering sex, he's wearing nothing but boxers. Um, Masties declined the offer. This happened several times, several nights he comes in. And Masties continues to decline the offer. But this this particular night, Richards began to throw her against the wall repeatedly. Oh, my God. Which um, I was showing Crystal. My mom actually went on Facebook. And for Fort Walton Beach, we have, like, a community page where people can post about the town and stuff. And she went, I had her, I said, Mom, can you know... Um, I don't do Facebook. I said, can you get on there and ask about this case? Because, I mean, it's our hometown. Um, I actually have some friends that um, knew these people, which is crazy to think about. Um, and my mom asked in the group, and a lot of people personally knew Richards, and they said that he, this just didn't sound like him. 
He had never got angry with somebody. He had never been inappropriate with any women at work um, or anybody in general. So at first, this was when they were doing the trial, people that knew him, it it just didn't seem like him. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I was doing research, I was like, okay, we have these teenage kids that killed somebody, and they're just saying that this guy's basically a pedophile. He's sexual sexually assaulting young girls but then you have people that worked with him for years and years and he okay well let's take it back to the horrible case that we just did of the toy box killer his boss literally thought there was no way he was guilty of any of this it's just so weird that that always seems to be like a common factor yeah like none of these people knew but like in the inside and of just, their home. just, you know, just to say, we're not saying he deserved any of this. Like, I'm not saying that. It's just he, very weird that he's dead and cannot answer for any of it. Yes. And if he did do every single thing, why not, did they report him? We're gonna get to that. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. It's just, I kept writing this down in my notes that some of this was not adding up for me. It just didn't, you know how when you research something and you listen to people's statements and it just doesn't like, something in my gut was saying, no, this is, no. So this particular night he comes in, he's repeatedly throwing, he's like, okay, if you're not going to give me sex, I'm going to take it. So he's just repeatedly throwing her up against the wall. He even goes so far as to headbutt her with enough force to supposedly leave Mark. She's, because we'll get into that. Um, But I went on to the World Wide Web. You know, I love the World Wide Web, and I love saying it that way, and Crystal loves it. And I Googled um, pictures from... The trials. They've had several different trials and resentencing. And the one from when they were originally sentenced in 1999, she looked very well put together. I saw no marks. If somebody headbutts you in the face, nine times out of ten, they're going to break your nose. Yeah, yeah. And if they're holding you up against the wall, you're going to have bruises on your arms, maybe your upper body. But this is, but this trial has been at least... What, a couple of months? That's right. That's right. I did take that into consideration. But I was thinking, if she's walking around town and she had this dude beat her up, wouldn't somebody have noticed? I don't know. Just just another thing. But you're right. I also took that into consideration. I was like, it was a month in between because I don't want to be that person. I like look at all angles. But just another thing that I jotted down, weird. When I'm writing notes, I put weird by it, which means... No. Doesn't make sense. No. Oddly enough, um, I'll go back to my mom posting and asking people from her town. A lot of people, and she actually had people comment on the post that actually served on the jury during this trial. And a lot of people kept making comments about how beautiful Crystal Maestis was and how well put together she looked. That's just... That's awkward. That's odd to say. Like, nothing against these jury people, but that's odd to say. And even during research, a lot of people said this. I don't know what people's looks have to do with... If they can commit a crime crime or or not. not. Like, if you look beautiful and well put together, obviously you can't kill somebody. That's how they made me feel. Anyways, (laughs) I... I had to jot that down. Once again, weird in quotation marks next to it. Um, It's just, stuff wasn't adding up. But my Estes became so uncomfortable 
With how Richard was acting towards her, she called over her friend Renee Lynx to spend the night. And I'm going to talk a lot about her because I got some things to say to Miss Renee. <laughs> um, um, but during the night, Richard, so Renee comes over, spends the night with Crystal. And during the night, Richard once again comes into the room wearing nothing but underwear. But this time he propositions both of them to spend the night with him. Both of them to have sex with him. This is just like, as we've gone on, this has just gotten more and more sketchy. It just feels like, yes, there are men out there that are creepy, but really my gut was telling me that they got caught, they murdered this person, and they had to on the spot think of something that could lead up to them. at the same time, what could have happened that... We'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. And I'll at the end I'll tell you my theory. Um But I will wanna I wanna go ahead and say I talk about this later, but I wanna go ahead and say Crystal is seventeen, Bell is seventeen, and we'll get to him. Renee though, the the friend that has spent the night that we're talking about now, she's only fifteen. Oh. She's the youngest out of all of them. So what Renee, kind of parent of a fifteen year old would allow your child to spend the night oh, oh, with her seventeen year old friend? Who is renting a room from a 31-year-old man? Oh, it's in my notes. I wrote that down. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Parents. I'm not parent-blaming, but what the heck, dude? Like, let's get back to it. (laughs) So, finally, Masties paged her boyfriend, um, Belle. That's amazing. There was pagers. (laughs) Oh! Yeah, we didn't have cell phones back then. I think um, we did. They just weren't like. I don't. I was trying to think. I don't remember my mom getting like the Nokia, like the big brick phone, until like two thousand and four. So like, I didn't have so the like brick a, phone, but I had one of the little ones that were like a couple inches tall, and you played Snake on it. Oh, I had one of those too, and I got it because my mom got rid of her first one and gave me that one just to play games on. But yeah. So she paged because, you know, they don't have cell phones. And she probably doesn't want to go out into the living room to the home phone. Yeah. So she pages her boyfriend and was like, hey, can you maybe come over? Like this Renee spending the night. And now he's asking both of us to have sex with him. And I'm just very uncomfortable. So obviously, you know, Belle being Crystal's boyfriend, he comes over being all macho. You know, you got this dude hitting on your girlfriend, and now her friend's over there, and he's hitting on both of them. So Belle comes, he arrives um, at the residence, and he begins placing Richard in a chokehold. So they, like, get into an argument? But, like, this is another thing that I put in quotations. Weird. Maybe that should be my catchphrase on here. Um, it's a little odd. I feel like somebody that is a veteran, somebody that's in the military would have some slight training that, one, somebody breaks into your home. Yeah. He's just going to straight off the bat jump you and put you in a chokehold and you can't get out of it. That doesn't make sense. I will pay one of y'all to break into my home and do that to my husband. I would would love to see it. I would love to see it. Let's take a fact that we have a lot of Rugers inside of my house. No gun will be involved. I would love to see somebody try to come and put my husband in a chokehold. And him not be able to get out of it. It just feels so weird. Like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that if you're in the military, you automatically are, like, Rambo. 
and like can like pop off and fight anybody, but like you know how to do something. This is seventeen year old kid, and you're, and you're a thirty one year old man that has served your country, and like <sighs> yeah, it's just not. This just enough. gets more. Sketchy I have a theory about. I have a theory about that too, and we'll talk about it later. Um, it's just a little odd. So my theory is the boyfriend got tired of, you know, Crystal paging him and complaining to him because this is over like a, like a couple weeks period. Mm-hmm. Each night he would come and, you know, and then finally um he got tired of it. And my idea is that maybe Crystal paged him. Richards maybe might have been asleep in bed. Like, okay, they don't want to mess around with me. I'll go back to bed. She paged him. Bell came over, broken, or she let him in the house. And I think maybe he jumped him, like went into his bedroom and jumped mm-hmm. him. Or could this be something like, because none of this, like, but that doesn't make sense. Nothing as added to why up. they would kill him. Could they have killed him, though? Could it be something like, they wanted the house to themselves, or he was trying to, like, maybe he was overstepping a boundary and trying to... I don't even know. ...parent Crystal. I don't or, even know, but, like, really, there's no method to murder. I mean, people have uh, killed people for $3 in their back pocket. Yes, like, this is true. There's... It's, but... It could be 12 million reasons why they did how it. How extreme it is, though, is is where it's, like, whoa. Yes, Whoa, like this. Because I know that much about this. Whoa. Um, but that's just my theory. I just don't think that he would come in and Richards would be full on awake and him, like, this one dude put him in a chokehold and do all of this. I really feel like he got jumped. Okay. I can see it. I. Anyways. Um, so, while Belle is supposedly holding Richard in a chokehold, he pushes him up against the wall and he tells Maestes to go grab a bat out of um, his trunk of his car. Mm-hmm. So he already ro- rolled up to this place. With a weapon. Knowing he was going to. So that's already. Um, uh, we'll get to it. But I mean, I'm just saying this is planned. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so Massey's goes outside and grabs the bat and repeatedly starts hitting Richards in the legs. So you're in a chokehold and now you have this girl just like hammering into you with a bat in your legs. And they will, at the trial, they said that he had multiple broken bones. So he's getting hit hard enough with this bat that bones are already broken at this point. And they haven't even left the home. We haven't even got gotten to like our toe hasn't even dipped into the water and just stuff that has happened to this man and his legs are already broken oh my gosh okay i'm prepared not really um so there masses is hitting with a bat and then bell asked links to go outside and grab the rope that is in his car so this dude brought a bat a bat and and rope rope. he knew what he was doing a bat and a rope Right there, that gives us evidence that it was planned. I mean, it's not an accidental killing or even self-defense. I know, I don't ride around around with rope in my car. No. Do I have a lot of random stuff in my car? Yeah. But not a murder kit. I don't bat or rope. I do have a gun, but I mean, that's besides the point. 
You're not using it to kill someone. No. But you're not going to pop off on me without me doing something. But I don't have rope. I don't have a ski mask. I just, <laughs> I, that definitely got weird and highlighted in my notes because I was like, no. So, hit with a bat. They go and grab the rope. All three of them tie him up and roll him up in a carpet. Roll him up with the oh. carpet that's um, in his living room. And then they throw him into the trunk of Belle's car. And nobody thought to call the police. Not during this did any of them think, well, this has gone too far. Maybe we should stop. Maybe we should call and get him help, call an ambulance, call the police. Like Maybe I, we strangled him and beat his and broke his legs. So they load him up in the trunk and they drive around and they start driving around town. And finally they just drive into the woods. And then they start thinking... Um, they suggest that they should maybe tie him to a tree. So they get him out of the trunk. They walk a little bit deeper into the woods and they tie him up. And still they're not thinking, well, this has gone too far. No logical thought process was happening at all. None of these kids, and they are kids, they are teenagers. None of them were thinking about what they, they were doing at the time. They've now kidnapped a man. It's kidnapping. Yeah. It's definitely kidnapping. A veteran at that. That's, I mean, for those of you that don't know my hometown of Fort Walton Beach, it is very much a military town. We have two military bases in the town, and then if you drive 30 more minutes, there's a third military base. So, yeah. Very much is my hometown military. You are either currently serving or you're retired or you were a military brat and now you're just, you reside in that town. So, and Crystal's father is even in the Air Force. And you're doing this to a veteran. That part kind of really bothered me. Um, I don't like this girl. Why does she have the same name as me? I know, even when she spells it differently. I spelled it like yours in my notes, but that's not how. But we don't care about her correct spelling. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they tied him up. Now they've kidnapped him, tied him up, threw him in a trunk. Now they're tying him into a tree. And um, for those of you that don't know the area, and this was back in 1999, it looks completely different now. Mm -hmm. But the area that I'm describing, um, it is now a subdivision. Okay. But at the time that this is happening, picture this. They're just starting to clear trees and clear the land. Um, it's called Parish Point Subdivision. So at this time, it's basically like in development. Okay. So I'm not sure why they chose this area, and they've never really said. Um, but they went far enough back into where it's basically just the woods. Okay, so did, like, the three of them just, like, carry him out there? And... They did. They all. They all made... There's some parts that they admit to all three of them doing it together, and then there's some parts where some of them say, no, it wasn't me, like, only this person did it. Mm -hmm. But they have all agreed during their sentencings and trials that they all three carried him out to the first tree. Mm -hmm. They tied him to multiple trees. Oh, okay. They all three carried him out to the first tree and uh, tied him up uh, with the rope. Okay. Um, so they've tied him up, and Belle starts questioning him, starts asking him questions. And right off the bat, 
he says, you're going to give me the pin to your debit card. You're going to give me all the information to your bank account. Okay. Which confused me. Your girlfriend is being sexually assaulted. You kidnap this dude. You tie him up. You beat him with a bat. And your first thought is give me the pin to your debit card. Well, could this whole thing have been financially related from the beginning? I kind of feel like that. Like, maybe... It just was odd. Like, not even, like, say, okay, I'm not saying you should, but say you find out your girlfriend's being sexually assaulted and you grab the dude that does it. Wouldn't you want to first start questioning him about why he's attacking your girlfriend? Could, Could this have been something where, like, my Estes saw a bank statement from him and he had more money than she thought he did and... It could be. It like, just, it was very odd. It just didn't make sense. The first question out of your mouth when you tied this dude up to a tree. Is give me your pin number? In the woods is give me your pin number. Like, that seems financially motivated. So we've got kidnapping and now we've got armed robbery. Because yeah. now basically they have kidnapped this man and it's all, like you said, financial gain. They want money from him. And they still didn't think to stop. Like I said, each step, they could have stopped and turned back and called the police and said we've made a mistake. And they just kept going. Belle then instructs the girls to go grab the bat out of the trunk. The same one from the house. Mm-hmm. So they knew. He brought the bat to the house and now they put the bat in the trunk. And now he's saying, girls, can you go get that bat for me out of the trunk? So they knew what was about to happen. And they, oh, yeah. they went and grabbed the bat anyways. So they knew what they were driving out there to do. They didn't, they, it wasn't them just going to drive out there and maybe, you know, dump his body and his, he'll learn his lesson. Don't mess with girls anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, they then began taking turns hitting Richards tied to a tree. And you got to remember his legs are already broken. So are the, I just can't even imagine it. They've already hit him so hard in the house that, his, uh, I, I can't remember specifically, but I think his shin bones had been shattered. Mm. And now he's tied to the tree and they're hitting him again. But it gets even worse. Belle becomes physically angry and the girls, this is what I was saying, some of the girls agreed to some of it. They both agreed that it was like he saw red. Mm-hmm. Belle became angry with them that the fact that they weren't hitting him hard enough. Which is like, that- I, I have children now. His legs are already broken. He's and and now, and you're and not now, him hard enough. And from the way from it was describing is now, so they've already hit him in the legs when they were in the house, and now he's tied the tree. It made it sound like they were hitting him like in the stomach. So he's got to have internal bleeding. You Has don't just to. you don't just get hit repeatedly with a baseball bat and not have so broken legs. Now you have internal bleeding. And he gets angry and he snatches the bat out of their hands. And he begins to swing as hard as he could. And this is an iconic phrase. And it's kind of known like in my hometown as him being like a big psychopath. Mm-hmm. He's hitting them super hard. I mean, this is a 17-year-old teenage boy. He's probably hitting pretty hard. He looks back at them and he says, look, I'm Babe Ruth. I'm speechless. It's like very well known. Like it, this... This is why I wanted to do this case. It's been covered on national news. It's been on A&E. He was on um, Kids Behind Bars. Like, 
I'm very uncomfortable with the fact that anyone would say that in their right mind, let alone a 17-year-old kid. Exactly. And, I mean, I'll just let y'all know my hometown <sighs> is rough. It's still rough. And that just gave me chills. And I've I lived in that town for 19 years of my life. That's disgusting. Um, I mean, that's straight up psycho material. That's no remorse. That's you know that you are physically hurting this man and could possibly kill him at this moment. And you're saying that. You think you look cool in front of these women. These girls. They're not even women yet. They're, They're all girls. children. Every one of them is a the child. The youngest being 15. All three of them are children. That's not cool. At this point, Richard must not be giving them the information that um, Belle wants because he then um, has Renee. I said I was going to talk about Renee a lot. Renee, homegirl. He has Renee go get um, lighter fluid um, out of the trunk again. So this man, this man, I'm sorry to be clapping and hurting people's ears, but this man, child, sorry. 17-year-old boy. 17-year-old kid. Goes to his girlfriend's house with a bat, rope, lighter fluid, and matches or a lighter. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me that he did not go into this completely premeditated. It's premeditated. Premeditated. No way. You could not convince me. Absolutely not. So, Renee goes to the trunk and uh, gets the lighter fluid and obviously a lighter. And they douse him with it, pour it all over his body, um, and set him on fire. On fire. Tied to a tree, you've already had your legs broken, internal bleeding. Because, at worst, he hit on your girlfriend. He hit on your girlfriend. Nothing physically happened. She admits that nothing physically happened. He never touched her. Besides the one time that he held her against the wall. And once again, we're not saying that's okay. But you, did you just hear what all that we've talked about? And we're not done. We're not done. This man is not done. He has not died yet. So all three of the teenagers leave the scene. They leave a helpless man tied to a tree, broken legs, internal bleeding, and now burning alive. Because he is alive. He's feeling all of this. Um, several days later, um, from what I could research, it was one, two days. It wasn't specifically sure because, I mean, like I said, they don't find him till a month later. So it's not, it's not known, you know, how often, but they go back several times. They go back several times to the scene. But several days later, they return to make sure Richard is dead. So they knew. Why would you return? Because they're idiots. Why? I don't understand. Um, but I mean, I, that makes zero sense. And we're all thinking the same thing. He has to be dead, right? Like there's no way that he's been broken legs, internal bleeding, set on fire. And it's been two days. He has to be dead, right? Two days, no food, no water. And you're set on fire. He's gotta be dead, right? Wrong. He's not dead. He's still alive. Um, Crystal, this is the part where I was saying some of them were not included in all of this. Crystal stays in the car. Renee and Belle get out of the car to go check on Richard because Crystal said she didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Do you think that they knew he was alive when they left him? I do. And, like, came back. 
because they knew he was, they figured he'd be dead after two days and they were going to dispose of his body. I do feel like that. I do really think they did think he was dead and they were just going to like hide the evidence. Yeah. Um, but I could kind of feel, and I'm trying not to take her side. I mean, she still have done some bad stuff, but you could kind of see that Crystal was feeling a little bit of remorse. She did not want to get out of the car. She told them that they could go check on him, which kind of shows me, you know, out of the three of them, she's at least feeling bad about it. Did she still help? Yes. But she didn't go back a second time. She never went back to the the scene. She just stayed in the car. She stayed in the car. So, Belle and Renee go. But she could have went to the police. She could have. That's why I'm saying I'm not 100%. She deserves to be in jail. But we'll we'll get to that. Um... So, Renee and Belle go to check on him, and they find Richard still tied to the tree, barely alive. It's been two days, um, but he's mumbling. He's screaming for help. I mean, it just makes me sad thinking about this man out in the woods, tied to a tree, burned alive, calling out for anybody to come help you. And the two people that show up, you, you might he probably thought maybe somebody was coming to save help. him. Yes. And it's the two people, two of the people that... Tied and set you on fire. I can't even imagine what was going through his head. So, Belle attacks Richard more. It makes him angry. It makes Bill physically, Belle physically angry that Richard is still alive. Like, the audacity of this man to still be alive. That's how it felt. So, he starts, like, trying to choke him almost. But it doesn't kill him, which is kind of weird. That part didn't make sense. Um... So, they get this smart idea, Renee and Belle, that they'll leave. They'll go back to the car with Crystal and leave. And um, they'll travel down to the local Target for more rope and a knife. Oh, that's nice. And I knew about this part, but I hadn't really thought about this case in a long time. And I went back and I was thinking about it. And it just felt weird. I've shopped at this Target, this specific... We only have one Target in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, isn't that bougie to say because the town we're living in now has two <laughs> Target, but my hometown has one. And it has hey, a- it's not as bougie as the one when I lived in New Orleans. It was a two-story one. Oh, yeah. I've been to, yep. Those are super bougie. But I've shopped at this Target many times. I even did my wedding registry in there. <laughs> like, been in there many times. My mom lives right down the road from this place. And it was just weird doing this research. But anyways, they go down to our local Target to do a little, you know, psychopath shopping for some rope and a knife. Um, okay, hypothetically, let's say we're murderers. I hope this never happens. But you go and shop for a knife. What kind of knife would you buy to kill somebody? Well, I think it, I know this sounds very morbid to say, and I have thought about this, <laughs> but it depends on what I'm doing. Am I dismembering the person? Nope. You're, I'm just going to kill them. You're just going to kill them. I'm going to get something that is non-serrated. Okay. I'm going to get something that's probably like a legit, I don't know, I don't know what kind of knife that is. I guess it's like a butcher knife, but the one that's little bit like it's really thin but it's very pointed and kind of wide yes i know what you're talking about yeah okay that, well, i think that's my thought I too get. and i think any reason well that's weird to say no i was about to say any reasonable killer don't ever say that <laughs> phrase ever again any person thinking in 
They're not. I don't know how to describe this without sounding like a serial killer. But not the knife. What they get is not what I would think of. So they go to Target, they buy more rope, and they buy a meat cleaver. Like you chop meat with. Like the big, So like a big, thick, thick one. That aren't even... Like, you can't stab anybody with that. You can't stab. You can chop. You can't stab. And they're really not sharp. Uh-uh. They're really just made to like... They're heavy. Hack through like bone when you're chopping meat. That's what they purchase from Target. What were they... Did they plan... Did they chop him up? We'll get there. But like... Three teenagers walk into a local Target and buy rope and a meat cleaver to go kill a man. Well, number one, that's like a murder kit. Like, if uh, this can you is red flags. They this don't have self checkout in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So, hi, welcome to Target. Let's let's ring up your purchases today. Oh, I see you're getting rope and, and, uh, and a I, meat cleaver. And I'll give you guys some back some. Like, backstory. In my hometown, you can't even go to, like, Walmart and Target and buy, like, cold medicine. Without them getting your ID and see Your ID, it. and it's even locked. It's even locked in a thing that the workers have to come unlock because our town is nothing but drug addicts, and they can turn anything into a drug. So, like, I feel like that would have been flagged. Meat cleaver and rope, throwing a ski mask, something. Like, <laughs> that would have been, if I was checking them out, I'm, it would have been weird. Anyways. So, it's an odd choice. They return to the scene where Belle and Renee... You notice how I'm saying Belle and Renee a lot? Mm-hmm. And at the end of this, you'll realize why I'm saying Renee and Belle. Renee links and Belle a lot. Anyways, Crystal stays in the car again. Renee and Belle return to the scene, and they take turns. Taking turns. I didn't say one does it. They take turns... Cutting Richard's throat with this meat cleaver. How do you cut a throat with meat cleaver? And how do you take turns? Like, like oh, what do you do? Oh, I'll do an inch. Oh, here's your inch. Oh, I'll do another. But they, uh, they, they both agree to this. They both claim that that this is true. They, this happened. I just don't even understand. So you've beaten this man in the legs, broke his legs. You've beaten him in the chest and stomach area and total internal bleeding. You've set him on fire. He's starved and dehydrated for two days. Oh, yes. And now you have... And he's cold. Yep, cold. This is during the winter months, so yeah. Out in the woods. It's not super cold because it's Florida, but it's still pretty chilly. It's probably like in the 30s, 40s. It's February... So yeah, and the where where he was is kind of by the water. So he's so, getting a breeze. Um, set on fire, dehydrated, no food, and now you've had your your throat cut several times. I just these are monsters. So okay, at this point, he's been gone and missing for two days. Did his family not know he was gone? Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, these are some sick kids, and not once, when I, when I was 17, I don't know about you, I'm pretty sure we're the same. Not once when I was 17 did I think of ever doing this to somebody. No, I mean, I was into true crime when I was 17. I did. But, but I wasn't like, ooh, this is, I wonder what it's like to kill someone. I barely socialized, I barely had a boyfriend, and thank God I kept him and I'm now married to him. But, like, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't. I went to school, work. You weren't thinking about killing someone no. in the middle of the woods. I went to school, work, and when I came home, I did homework and listened to true crime and watched horror movies with my mom. That's where and it watched stopped. Investigation Discovery. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Never once did I think, I'm going to go do this to a man. 
and it just amazes me that there's yeah. kids out there, and we'll get into it that there's laws out there that protect kids that do this at this age. But anyways, I digress. Um, so they've kidnapped a man, tortured him, done unspeakable things no human should do, and now several days later they begin. So they've they've gone and slit his throat, and then several days later. So this is two more days. After this. But he's officially dead now. Oh, he's dead. Okay. At this point, it's slow. It, um, very gruesome. I don't want to get into too much detail about it. But during the trial, they described that it took several minutes for him to finally mm. pass after they slit his throat. Because I know in movies, they make it seem like, you know, you slit somebody's throat and like five seconds later, they're dead. It does take, you know, 30 seconds to a minute for you to finally lose enough blood. Oh, I, I knew that because, side note, I actually worked with a lady who had her throat slit by an intruder into her home. Like, she came home from work one day, and she saw the door was open, but she just figured she left it open, and she was walking in, and um, she went to go put her stuff down, and uh, she felt somebody come up behind her and slit her throat, but they didn't do it as deep as they thought they did because they slit her throat and then ran off. Um, and she always thought her ex-husband hired someone to do it because they were in, like, a middle of a really bad divorce. But she, like, had this super gnarly scar that literally went all the way across her neck. And it was, like, jagged. And, and she said she just grabbed a kitchen towel and held it to her throat as she drove herself to the hospital. I can't even. Like, like my stomach's churning it was, listening. It was, it was the craziest because I was afraid to ask her what the scar was. I thought maybe she had surgery or some kind, and because it literally went from, like, one side of her neck to the other. And, like, I would known her for a while, and I finally just said, hey, it's, what is that scar? Like, like what happened? It's also if they nick an artery. Now, if you get your carotid artery nicked, you're, you're done. Dunzo, you're donezo. But, like, I, they're using a meat cleaver. It's not sharp. It's from Target. I, I feel like they had to have hacked into his throat, which makes it even worse. Um, but they did say during their trial that it did take a few moments for him to finally pass, which this dude fought hard. I wonder He if, fought hard. I wonder if they were, I shouldn't say this, but I am because I've already started it. I wonder if, like, I want to know, did they, was it like a sawing motion? Because that meat cleaver can't be that sharp. It's Was not. it a sawing motion or did they try to do like a chopping? Like they were trying to chop his head off kind of thing. I don't even know. They didn't go into that much detail in their trial because obviously his family wanted to know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to know all those details. That's just too much. But they both did admit that they they passed the, the cleaver back and forth and they both took a turn slitting. And that it did take several minutes for him to finally bleed out and pass. Um, and his skin is already charred. So I, I can't imagine that they even had to cut very hard or, you know, any very deep. Hmm. It's just... just me chills. Yeah. I, um, just, anyways. So, like you were wanting to know, on February 13th, 1999, um, a friend of Richard's, uh, it was actually a co-worker... Uh, calls the police because he hasn't heard from him in a week or so. He hasn't shown up to work. Mm -hmm. He's not answering phone calls. So he says, hey, can you kind of just, you know, go over and do a wellness check? So did Richard not have any, like, other family besides his daughter and his ex-wife? They didn't live in the town. So what? from what's made, 
there wasn't, I didn't really do much research on his family, to be honest. I just, this case was so gruesome that once I researched it, I just kind of, I didn't want to look any more up about it. Mm -hmm. But I did know he had a daughter, and it said wife. Mm-hmm. It wasn't saying ex-wife. So they're just separated? So what I could think is maybe they're separated. Maybe he retired and just stayed in Fort Walton and was maybe saving up money to maybe move back with them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the vibe I got, which is understandable. When me and Chris were actually talking about this earlier, when you get out of the military at first, it's a little rough. It's, a, it's an adjustment. Um, so maybe I'm thinking that he got a job in town. And from what it said, that he was working at a local subway, mm-hmm. um, which that's drastic to go from working in the military yeah. to a subway paycheck. Maybe he was just trying to get adjusted, and then he was going to, you know, send for his daughter and his yeah. wife. Um, but, yeah, one of his coworkers. So it must have obviously been a coworker from Subway. Because, like I said, my mom posted in our group, and a lot of people said they would come in and he would make their sandwich, and he was very nice, always very sweet. Um, but one of the coworkers called, and the police do go and do a wellness check mm-hmm. on his apartment. Um, and these apartments are still there, oddly enough. Hmm. Um, and oddly enough, guess who answers the door? Bell. Why is he at his house? Exactly. Belle answers the door. And I wrote this in my notes, and I'm just going to say, I know this is a child, but the ball's on this dude. You kill a dude, you kill this guy, you kill Richard, and you are now living in his home, and the police come to investigate him missing, and you answer the door? That makes you're only 17. Like, are these kids not in school? Like, do they not have school? Okay, that was my next question. Like, I barely had enough time to do anything. Like, I just, like, I, I don't even, I don't know. A lot of, uh, a lot of open-ended questions. It, it, just sheer stupidity to me. Still living in the home of the person you murdered. I feel like I would have got out of I town. I would have gotten out. I would have been in Mexico, Europe. I yeah. Mean, I, I know they don't have money, um, but. But I would have figured it out. Something. I would have gotten in my car and drove. Um, so both Mayasus and Bell tell police they have not heard from Richard and do not know where he is. Isn't that a little odd? I mean, not to report your roommate's missing? Yeah, my roommate hasn't been back in a week. I just thought he was gone. I didn't, you know, I, I don't know where he went. He just left one night and never came back and you didn't think that was odd? And he, or that the roommate, being Mayasus, has a man living inside the apartment while Richard is missing? When it's his home. Yeah, I mean, the police had to have thought that was weird. And they did. They took note of that. Especially if they're kids. They took note of that. They took note of how old Maestis was and that the lease was actually under Richard's and he's been missing and she had no idea where he was and hadn't reported him. And now has a man living inside the home. Not a man, a child. Well, yes. Young boy. But I know what you mean. Um, but as I said before, so that's February 13th. But as I said before, it wasn't until March 4th, um, 1999, almost uh, a, mar- a month later, that Richard's decomposing body was finally found. So the jig is up. The police have known for a month now that he's been missing, and now they have his body. And they're like, you know what? When we went and talked to those kids, stuff wasn't adding up. Let's go back and do some research on him. So the police start researching them. And the manager of the Target mm-hmm. had made note that 
they purchased the knife. They didn't. He wasn't there when they purchased the knife. But the manager was working. They tried to return the knife. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is the part. This is the part that my hometown. My hometown literally like. We don't mean to laugh. But how dumb can you be? Hold and people on. still in my hometown still talk about this 21 years later. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. They, they murdered someone and then went back and said, I'd like to return this knife. And then and the manager took note and didn't let them. He probably should have so he could have kept it. But he took note because obviously he didn't have the package or anything. Yeah. And he said there were signs of blood on the on the meat cleaver. And he thought it was weird. He thought maybe they had gone and done some cooking or went hunting. Because hunting is very known <laughs> in my town, you know, go deer hunting and stuff and you know. But he was like, I can't accept that. I can't return that, you know. Oh my god. So when all this came out and that, that my town knew a murder had happened, the manager of Target let the police know about that. And yeah. that's how they eventually find out that that's the murder weapon. Oh, my goodness. So the police start piecing this up. This is, I mean, these are young kids. They're stupid. The, right off the bat, I mean, they got a month. They got away with it for a month, but that's only because they couldn't find his body. Luckily, this boy, this little boy happened to be outside being a kid and found him. But they only got away with it for a month because of that. I mean, as soon as the police found his body, literally within a day, they had these kids in lockup. Oh, my God. Questioning them. Because they're stupid. These are, the, these are literally the stupidest killers I've ever read about. And I've read some interesting and watched some interesting and listened these to some interesting cases. dumb. I can't imagine buying a weapon from a store and then trying to return it. With the blood, literally still, you didn't even think to wipe it clean. Throw it in some bleach. Why even return it so you can get, what, seven bucks back? Well, they're high schoolers. They probably don't got any other money. So, it leads them back to the three of them. And then the youngest one is Renee, 15 at the time. And I kind of felt like when they brought all three of them in, they could probably sense that Renee was the weakest link. Because straight off the bat, she was a rat. She, they bring all three of them in for question, questioning. She's a snitch. Yes, she got stitches. <laughs> um, because when all three of them came in, she, like, within a few hours broke. Do you think it was because she just wanted to be, like, your two years older than me you're cooler i'm just trying to be cool and that's why she went along with the whole thing and then no i think she was conniving that could be i just i don't know i feel like i personally have a vendetta against this girl i don't even know this woman but reading this i got physically angry about this part because she was actually more involved than crystal yeah she slit his throat she got the lighter fluid out of the trunk she's the one that actually set him on fire she bought the knife and the rope. Mm-hmm. But because she was the first person that testified, that gave them information, they gave her a deal. Oh, that's so stupid. And I wrote this in my notes. I think the justice system is extremely broken. I know why they do this, because in the long run it does help. They get to convict them all, yes. But now this woman is, she's a woman now. She's now free. 
she's now living her bell. Let's speak on a little bit more. But I just, I, that, it's basic, basically saying you can murder someone in cold blood and receive a half sentence just for giving a little bit of information before the other people can. So if you rat somebody out a little bit faster than the other person, you can only do half a sentence for murdering somebody. And y'all are going to tell me that doesn't sound broken? That you could be living next door, your next door neighbor that you're living next to right now could have murdered somebody 15 years ago and now they're living right next door to you. And that's just absolutely crazy to me. 15 years is not long enough for what they did to this poor man. It's not just murder. It's kidnapping, robbery, torture. Okay, so tell me about Crystal and Belle. Like, what's up with them? Are they... Did so, they get out? So let me get back to Renee, and then I'll get to them. So Renee, since she, uh, since she was the first to testify, she served 15 years, and she was released... She was actually released in uh, 2012, um, but Maestis and Bell, at the time, they received the death penalty. Mm-hmm. So they were both going to be, uh, well, Crystal was going to receive uh, life, but Bell, the jury, 100%, all of them, straight across the board, voted that he deserved the death penalty. So he was actually going to be sentenced to death by uh, lethal injection. Mm -hmm. But, in the state of Florida, is stupid, and I can say that. Um, anybody can say it. Say it with me. Florida is stupid. Um, our governor and our senators passed a bill stating that if you are a juvenile at the time that you commit a crime... Your brain is not developed enough to know what you are doing. Therefore, you cannot be sentenced to death and you cannot serve life in prison. Hold on. Hold on. And this is a real thing. It was passed. If you can have the conscious thought that you are going to bring a knife, no, not a knife, a baseball bat, rope, and lighter fluid mm -hmm. to someone's house and commit all this, how in the world are you not, your brain not developed enough? I don't understand it. It needs to be changed. Um, now, I get the whole, I get the death penalty part. Like, I kind of get not sentencing a juvenile to the death penalty. I don't even know how I personally feel about the death penalty. I still have to, like, flesh that out with some thought more. I don't know where I stand on that. I leave that up to them and God. That's not me. But if you could do this to a person, what are you going to do? Sentence them to 15 years in prison and be like, well, hope you hope you did good. And then let them out in 15 years and possibly, he might not tie them up to a tree, but he might snatch your daughter off the street or brutally beat you because you tell him no at a job interview or something. So You never know. So are they not allowed to sentence them to life because of that? Well, it changed. So they've been, they've gone on trial a total of three times. The first time, and then they've been re-sentenced twice. The second time was because, obviously, they couldn't get the death penalty because that law passed. But then, at the third sentencing, a judge said, you know what? Y'all are monsters. Mm-hmm. He couldn't re-sentence Renee because she took that deal and she served her time. But he would have. Mm -hmm. He said he de she deserved to be in longer. But he said, since I have y'all here, you might have been young at the time. They're, during the second re they were now in their 30s. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He said, y'all might be grown now, but when you were teenagers, you knew exactly what you were doing. Oh, yes, 100%. You not only kidnapped, stole all this man's bank information, pawned almost everything in his home, even a violin that he had played for years, they pawned. Set this man on fire and then went and purchased a knife and cut his throat and you expect to be released out into the world? He said, absolutely not. He's like, I might not be able to lethal injection, but you will be in prison for the rest of your life. So both of them are currently serving life in prison. Like I've already stated, I don't necessarily think Crystal... I don't know. I feel indifferently on her. Belle, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think Renee is disgusting. You're a disgusting human being. Um, and when Crystal said that my hometown is still seeking justice, that is because she got out in 2012. She moved down to South Florida because nobody in my hometown wants her there. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Um, she met somebody while she was in prison. Um, she's now married. They just recently purchased a home. She has a brand new truck, and she is seen out shopping often. That's disgusting. So you can set somebody on fire, slit their throat, rat your friends out, and then only serve 15 years in prison and get get out and just live a happy life. It's disgusting. When, I'm not saying Crystal is innocent, but she sat in the car. She felt guilty for what was already happened. She could have stopped it. And now she's in prison for the rest of her life. Because her friend that actually did it ratted on her first. It just doesn't make sense to me. I just... I would love for everybody to email us, write us in, DM us on Instagram... Let us know on Twitter how you feel about this case. You can even do your own research on it. That's just that's just how I personally feel, and that's how a lot of people in my hometown feel. Like, this is a... It's sad. It's really sad because, like we were talking at the beginning, if he did, you know present unwelcome advances on on them okay that's gross that's kind of sick but you're gonna kill somebody for it and the way they killed him i still think it's completely financially motivated because of what you just said about how they pawned his things why else would they pawn everything out of his house Ask for his PIN number. They pawned his TV, everything. Like, if you're going to continue to live in the house, wouldn't you want a TV to watch on? Yeah. It just, it to me, it sounds like... I feel like drugs were involved somewhere, and I sound like an old lady for saying that, but, like, why else would you want money? Either something like that, or something as simple as maybe they wanted the life that... And there's, there's one thing that I haven't mentioned, um... And I only bring it up because a lot of people say that, yeah, they were too young. They didn't know. No, they knew. Because Belle's father was actually a pastor in our town. Oh, wow. He grew up in the church. He knew right from wrong. And multiple times when people have done interviews, because like I said, it's made national news. It's been on Mm -hmm. television. It's been on television a lot. Um, He has said over and over that he doesn't know why people think he's a monster and call him a monster. Because you 
hacked someone's throat and set him on fire while he was alive and left him in the wilderness. But he does not claim that. He still to this day denies all of it and says that he should be released from prison. Well, who who the heck did it? I... If he didn't... Maybe the woman that is out living free in her brand new home driving around her brand new truck... I don't know. At 15 years old, that's pretty crazy to be the youngest person in the group doing the most. Yes, she conspired to do this entire thing and just had him drive her around. It's crazy. It's crazy that two people that weren't even physically touched did more than the person that was actually being assaulted. And she's serving life in prison. I can see why people are angry. I can very clearly see why people are angry it's interesting and it's it's interesting when they do these trials and their family come in and cry and boohoo and my kids are great give them a second chance nobody gave richard a second chance richard isn't even here to say if those claims are even right yeah and what about his daughter that now has to grow up without a father and has to only, can only assume that her fa- these claims are true about her father. She now has to live with the fact, one, that people are calling her father uh, a pedophile, a uh, sexual assault, and now he's been murdered and will no longer be in your life. That's so sad. All around, it is a crazy story, but we would really like it um, if you guys would write into us. Um, and like we said, you can find us on Instagram at Bayou underscore Chronicles, Twitter Bayou Chronicles, um, our email Bayou Chronicles podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback on this. This was an interesting, it's an interesting case. Like I said, a lot of people still think about it in my hometown. It's still very much a hot topic. I'm just speechless still. Because, like, I knew, like I said, I looked a lot of this up to, like, know the basics of it. And I remember us talking about it when you presented it to me and to add it to the schedule. But, I don't know. They These kids knew what they were doing. I lived in the same town as them, in the same almost area. I went to the same high school as them. And I never committed murder. It just... It's always the murders that are ha- that like happen by kids and teenagers that I just don't understand because what in the world is going on in your life that makes you think that you kill cuz I sure as heck was not doing that kind of stuff at 15 this 16 not, 17 This is not an episode where we can blame the 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 upbringing the life one girl her family is military the other boy, his father is a well-known pastor in our town. Um, this is just like a series of events that a- escalated to the point where unspeakable things were done to another human being. Um, I'm grossed out. Um. But thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening while you do your grocery shopping. Maybe you're doing laundry, driving home from work, whatever it may be. Um, Go listen to something that's maybe happy and uplifting. Throw some music on. I don't know. 
If you're like me, you're kind of bummed out right now. I definitely feel that way. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day, and we can't wait till our next episode that we can deliver you guys. I hope. I don't know. I'm enjoying doing these, and this is going to be the rambling at the end of the episode. We are. Thank you so much. It's just crazy. Every time that we check our numbers, it seems like they're doubling and tripling, and it's just, it, it feels good. It feels good that we started a hobby that is actually turning into more than a hobby quicker than we ever imagined. And it's still very, very weird when someone tells me, hey, I've been listening to your podcast, and I really enjoy it, and I'm just like oh my gosh, someone's listening to mm-hmm. us and it's so weird. So thank you. If you do listen to us, you can message us and tell us you're listening to us. It kind of makes my day every time someone says good things. It does. Or send us your stories. I just had a friend send me um, we have been, a story. Yeah, a lot of people sending in personal stories. We will, Pretty soon, we will be reading off people's IRL experiences, just like our our last episode we did, and that's absolutely amazing. And we appreciate every single one of y'all. So thank you guys, and have a great day. Until next time.